Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Market View. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and since it's Friday, it's Market Wrap of the Week. And before we invite Jeff Howie, market strategist from the SGX, on, let's take a quick look at how the STI is faring after the midday break. The STI is up 0.5% at the moment at 3,170 points. Advancers are leading the pack at 276, with decliners at 222 after 674 million securities worth 300. 156 million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. And now, without further ado, to take a look at how Singapore shares fared in the past week, let's invite Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Jeff, welcome back. Hi, Hongbin. Thanks very much. Hi. Okay, Jeff, let's take a look at the STI. I mean, it opened in the green today. How did the STI perform this week? Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a however there. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it did open in the green indeed. But uh, where we are now is at around 3170, mm-hmm. and we closed last Friday at 3217. That's mm-hmm. 47 points drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent a small amount of time on Monday morning back around that Friday close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and made a, made a high, I think it was about 32, 31, before posting declines for the remaining of Monday and pretty much the next two days so that by Wednesday afternoon, the SDI had lost something like 100 points over the three sessions, mm. or close to 100 points, and, and then recovered somewhat on the Wednesday close to 32.50. And pretty much for Thursday and the half session we've seen so far today, spending a lot of time between uh, that... Uh, uh, 30, 3150 level mm-hmm. and the uh, uh, and the 3175 level. So just sorry to be clear, we were at 3217 last week, got down to 3131 mm-hmm. uh, this week, and then back to 3150, 3175. Okay, well, you know, this week the rising Treasury yields have exacerbated fears that interest rates will be higher for longer, and most of the Asian markets traded in the red due to this, especially earlier this week. Were Singapore's shares largely uh, impacted by this as well? Yeah, the, pretty much the region is, uh, Hongbin. If mm-hmm. you look across the world, in fact, everything's pretty much in the red, minus uh, except for Taiwan. Uh, mm-hmm. So you've got but pretty much ASEAN's not too bad. It's more or less in the middle of mm-hmm. the leaderboard. Malaysia and Jakarta probably, and, and India have been among the stronger uh, aspects after Taiwan. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as you said, that the, the impact that the higher for longer outlook has had on the U.S. Treasury market, the U.S. dollar, and the cross-asset effect it has on equities mm-hmm. uh, has caused much of this red. And it's not just so much the outlook for high for longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you recall back in March, there was a lot of focus on the U.S. regional banks that didn't, ha- you know, basically didn't have adequate oversight or were positioned to take more bond-related losses than markets were comfortable with. Um, and, and, and during that time in March when you had those issues with, oh, I think it was, what was the First Republic signature in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. um, you, you had the U.S. Uh, Treasury yields basically repricing fifty basis points higher on the te- for the ten year mm-hmm. tenure. So so we've seen something some similar somewhat this time around where you 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 you've changed a little bit in the outlook for the for the uh, interest rate in twenty twenty four. And because of that, um, you know, the bonds are repositioning and repricing and also taking into account some of the risks 
in the US uh, regional financial banks there, possibly. And also there was more issuance in September. There's also this theme of rotation from US Treasuries to JGBs, which has been in the news. So so there's a number of reasons what I'm saying uh, for, for, for the higher yields. Mm. Uh, but at the end of the day, you, you are correct. It has had an impact, cross-asset impact of putting much of the global stock market in the red this week. Mm, okay, okay. Then let's take a look closer at the STI here. Who were the biggest movers on the STI this week? Yeah, well, on, on the upside, the most defensive, the one defensive, in fact, uh, Fraser Logistics and Commercial Trust, a REIT, which mm. I think uh, for the first four sessions of the week was up nine-tenths of a percent. That's just looking for the, for the first four sessions. Uh, and then outside the STI, uh, you had the likes of Keppel Infrastructure Trust and Netlink NBN Trust, both those business trusts actually were among the better performers. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Best World International, IFAS were there as well. Sheng Sion Group, Comfort, Delgro and UMS Holdings were, were flat to up 1%. So they were generally the more defensive. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess no prizes for guessing who the biggest decliners were outside the STI. They were the biggest gainers uh, in the SEP quarter. That's RH Petrogas and Rex International. So mm-hmm. with, with in the third quarter, when you had uh, the price of crude oil, Brent crude, rallying from $75 a barrel to $95 a barrel, you had RH Petrogas and Rex International, the two E&P e- e- oil, oil companies, uh, basically generate really symmetrical returns mm-hmm. of 28% for the quarter. And then what you've had is uh, Brent crude come off to around $85 a barrel this week. Mm-hmm. So it's come back $10 a barrel. And for that reason, you've also got the symmetrical moves in the two exploration and and production oil companies, oil and gas companies, RH Petrogas and Rex International. So RH is down 13% in the first four sessions of the week. Rex is down 11% in the first four sessions of the week. Mm-hmm. And also... Um, in the, in that maritime space as well, you've had Cetrium down 7% over the first four sessions, Dynamac down 6%. That's mm-hmm. despite Dynamac announcing it had expanded its order book this week with mm-hmm. a new contract or well, new contract wins of 88 million, which brings the net order book to 630 million. Um, and then you've also have uh, Yangtze Jiang shipbuilding, Samadera ship shipping line coming off a bit as well. Okay, okay. Well, taking a look at some economic news here in Singapore as well, just yesterday we saw retail sales uh, rising higher than expected to 4% in yep. August. Jeff, what does this tell us about Singapore's economy? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's, it's a strong part of it. Uh, the, but the thing is, though, it doesn't add up to too much in the big $400 uh, billion US dollar pie. So uh, you've got uh, UOB expecting retail sales will grow by 3.5% this year. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously outpacing the bigger GDP, which is expected to grow in the vicinity of 1%, 05 to 1% thereabouts. There's several economic drivers of the buoyancy that we're seeing in the local retail sales mm-hmm. activity. Uh, you've got GST assurance. You've got large-scale entertainment events that we've talked about before in the program. Uh, tourism and e-commerce and digitalization. Cheng mm-hmm. Xiong Group it noted uh, back in July that the government's inflation offset measures, such as the GST voucher scheme and the assurance package, has been supporting consumer spending, uh, mm-hmm. and that gives the supermarket retailers a boost. 
DFI Retail Group also noted uh, its 7-Eleven Singapore stores reported double-digit like-for-like sales growth in the first half of this year versus last year. Um, so tourism you know, obviously helps as well, but at the same time, the large-scale entertainment events they don't necessarily bring blanket relief to, mm. to, 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 to the retailers here. For instance, at the July AGM, uh, the Cortina Holding Company was asked if it sees an uptake in demand at these large-scale social right. events. And the board did note that you generally expect an uptick in demand during such events, but there isn't any strong evidence to show direct impact of sales. Mm. But then... At the same time, that's that. There's there's other drivers too. There's for the digital world. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was what is worth a highlight is that the Hourglass noted at its AGM in July mm. that its fastest growing age demographic are actually people in their twenties to forties. Okay. Uh, which is interesting, right? Because yeah. that, they attribute that to the rise of social media, which has, has resulted in intensification of what they call status competition. Mm. Pre-pandemic, it's its biggest age demographic was actually the clients between 40 to 60. So, so you're there. You, 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 it's, it's that. So I, I'm no longer the most important uh, customer <laughs> to them. It's, it's now you. Don't um, say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and just one more thing too. Yeah. Um, Electrification is also impacting that mm. business as well because uh, in the local car market, Tanshong uh, International, it highlighted just last month that Nissan e-power uh, models, uh, which collectively make up about two-thirds of Nissan sales in Singapore, mm-hmm. uh, at least for the first half of this year, they saw actually 24% growth year on year. So that ranks it uh, among the top five best-selling passenger car brands in Singapore mm-hmm. and was the only brand among the top five that did not suffer a year-on-year decline. Okay, okay. Well, on top of that, let's take a look over in the U.S. because speaking of economic news, later tonight we have the highly anticipated September U.S. employment report. Jeff, what are you expecting and what kind of clues will that provide for us in the future of rate hikes from the U.S. Fed? Yeah, so it's 8.30 tonight. Uh, Mm. It is expected to grow at a slightly more moderate pace than in August. So I think consensus is for 170,000 jobs to be added Mm -hmm. in the month of September. And the estimates, according to Reuters, do range from 90,000 jobs to 256,000 jobs. So Mm. median is around 170,000. Over the past week or so, though, the expectations for another rate hike at either the uh, 1st November or the 13th December FOMCs, mm-hmm. it did firm marginally. Okay. Um, uh, that's based on the CME FedWatch tool, but it is pretty much still around that 65% odds they hold, 35% odds they hike before going into next year, 2024. Mm. But looking at uh, the 2024 higher for longer outlook, uh, which really did weigh global stocks in September, mm-hmm. there, there's really been little change for the consensus of either it being 50 basis points or 75 basis points of cuts uh, across the eight FOMCs mm-hmm. next year. Okay. Well, I mean, we saw a lot of movement in Asian markets already in anticipation to this employment report. But will the latest data have you know a big impact on regional markets when they do reopen on Monday following this data? Yeah, I guess it's the impact that the data might have on mm-hmm. the U.S. dollar and the bond market and the stock market uh, mm-hmm. if it does come outside the realm of expectations. The U.S. dollar index, it's currently at 106.40, and mm-hmm. that's off the 107 highs that it made earlier this week and above, obviously, the preceding week 
when it broke above 106. So I think breaching uh, one of those two thresholds of 107 or mm-hmm. 106 tonight would be probably the first cue that uh, Asian markets will be watching um, mm. when, when they reopen on, on Monday morning, whether we stay in the range mm-hmm. or, or if there is a, a, reaction, a, a significant reaction to the numbers, what it does to that US dollar and whether it means it breaks above one of those key levels or breaks below it. Mm-hmm. Other than this, though, uh, there are a couple of things to look out for next week as well. And I'm sure we'll talk about it next week when they all come out. But we will see, first off, uh, Singapore's GDP for Q3 on Friday. What can we expect? Yeah, uh, so that'll be 8 o'clock before mm-hmm. we talk next Friday. Yeah, uh, The advanced GDP, it's always based on the first two months of the quarter, so it'll be July and August. It is expected to come in, I think, just one tick below mm-hmm. what we printed in the second quarter. So we're expecting uh, a 0.4% year-on-year growth versus 0.5% year-on-year growth in the second quarter. Mm. Um, of the nine economists' Hold by Reuters, the ve- the expectations vary from 0.1% year-on-year growth to 0.6% year-on-year growth. So mm. good to see that no one is is predicting uh, actual contraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, based on guidance in the August report, for which which was all taken from the second quarter observations, mm-hmm. what we are expecting is uh, first and foremost persistent inflation to keep maintaining this case for higher for longer, which is definitely happening, is particularly in the US and Europe, which Mm -hmm. is causing this retraction in global spending and thus expected to exacerbate the ongoing manufacturing downturn. So Mm -hmm. uh, the weaker manufacturing part of it is is what we are expecting, but we are expecting also to see continued momentum in the growth outlook for the aviation and tourism-related sectors like air transport and accommodation. Ongoing recovery uh, also uh, impacts the consumer-facing sectors such as retail trade and F&B services. Mm-hmm. So they're expected to continue to expand, um, which is supported by Singapore's very resilient labour market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in the, in the first quarter and the second quarter, manufacturing saw the greatest year-on-year declines, while accommodation saw the greatest year-on-year gains. And thus, we're pretty much expecting the same again. Okay, okay. Well, you know, local private sector economists, they are expecting the Singapore economy to pick up pace and grow by 2.5% in 2024. Jeff, is that considered a significant growth? And I mean, what could help push the economy to pick up its pace? Yeah, it's back to close to what our long-term average growth is. Okay. I mean, it's it's obviously doubling up from what we're going to be seeing this year, which mm-hmm. is great news. But at the same time, uh, the top downside risks include very familiar signals, uh, external growth slowdown, inflationary pressures, and, of course, economic developments in China. Uh, but at the same time, better than expected external growth and China growth, in addition to a recovery in the technology's business cycle, do remain the firm upside risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tech sector will be watched closely. It's been expected to be in the spotlight, particularly this quarter and the next quarter, for some time now, given that uh, the stage for a rebound in the global semiconductor is gradually being uh, set. Mm-hmm. Um, as AEM noted back in August, though, the inventory digestion it is expected to continue through this quarter 
and semiconductor volume growth uh, is expected to return to semiconductor industry in 2024. So uh, really the recovery in tech and semiconductors is is one of those uh, push Mm -hmm. factors that we'll be looking for uh, for potential upside risk. Okay. Well, also, you know, the MAS, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, they are scheduled to hold its monetary policy meeting no lo- no later than next Friday, which is the 13th of October. And the central bank, I mean, they have tightened monetary policy for five straight meetings since October 2021 before leaving it unchanged back in April 2023. So when do when they do make this decision next week, Jeff, before or on the 13th, will they stay on pat again? I mean, what are the implications that will have on the economy if they do hold rates? There was that professional forecasters survey that you mentioned just before. Mm. Uh, that survey actually also saw really no... expect Majority expectations were for no change to the slope, width and level of the policy band next Friday uh, at the policy review. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then looking forward into next year... The expectation was that 28, well, 28% of the respondents expected the slope of the policy band could uh, possibly see a reduction, mm-hmm. while around 6%, 5% to 6%, I think it was, of the respondents expected the MAS to recenter the band downwards. So, mm. um, reason being is uh, local private se- those local private sector economists do expect core inflation to continue gradually coming off to Mm. 2.8% next year versus 4.1% this year. So Mm. as long as that trend of disinflationary um, drivers that bring the uh, MAS core inflation gauge down, uh, then that that's pretty much what uh, we expect. Okay, okay. Well, before we let you go here, Jeff, is there anything else investors should be looking out for next week? I mean, we already talked about several things, but yeah. other than that? Well, a big, yeah, but we didn't really touch on China too much because obviously with Golden Week, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and so China markets will reopen. They mm. have their CPI numbers due on Friday. I think U.S. has their CPI, not the PCE core, but the, the headline CPI and core CPI on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, the September FOMC meeting minutes will also be released on Wednesday night, and they may be scrutinised a little more than usual, given mm-hmm. that that SEP 1920 meeting, it was somewhat of a market mover. On the corporate action front, we've got Union Gas going ex-div on Tuesday. I think UMS goes ex-div on Wednesday, and SGX goes ex-div on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And also, you might have seen the... Um, this is more from an event perspective... You, you might have seen the recent news that the Singapore SPAC Vertex Technology mm. is buy it was is 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 wants to buy this Taiwanese streaming platform for up to nine hundred and twenty five million dollars. Okay. So we have a webinar scheduled for Tuesday night at mm. seven thirty PM and the, the founder and CEO of Beansprout who who I know you've you've yeah. had on the program before, yeah, Gerald Wong, mm. he's gonna provide a rundown uh, through what to look for in this business combination process, etc., okay. and you can investors can register at sgxacademy.com. Okay, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time and your pleasure. insights today. All right, that's great. Thanks so much, Hongbin. Thank you. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, who's a market strategist at the SGX. I'm Hongbin Jung, and this has been Market View uh, with your market wrap of the week. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg. 
or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.